turn off this show immediately if you have not seen Avengers Infinity War. This is a public service announcement. What is up, my nerds? Welcome inside Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All. I'm Jake. I'm Paul. And as you may have ascertained, if you continued through the, the first spoiler right, warning. Right, right. Here's a second spoiler warning. <laughs> a second one. We are talking Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. And we are going to go full spoilers. Yeah. No, and, and here's the thing. I, actually, Jake and I, we watched the same screening of Infinity Wars. And, and as we were leaving, we were fighting about whether to do spoilers, not spoilers, all this kind of stuff. As I was thinking about it, though, I mean, this is a big deal. There are a lot of spoilers in this movie, a ton of spoilers. Um, there's a lot going on here. But I kind of figured that because there's so much going on, People would need to process this thing. So yep. it was – we kind of think that maybe it's just a good idea to talk through it, talk through our – third spoiler warning – our grief. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's – what Paul says is not hyperbole. We were, we were in a bit of a spat. <laughs> as we left the theater because it's like we have to talk about this whole thing and Paul's like I don't even know if we can record the show at all <laughs> because we might just have to cancel so the episode much going on <laughs> I don't want to yeah. ruin it for people so that's why we're we're heavily lo- front loading this thing yeah. with spoiler warnings so that if you continue on it's because you've seen this movie and you need to process it the way we do I've been I I did we actually both took our wives to right. see this so thankfully we've had Somebody to, to start on, to talk to. We drive home. We were able to talk about it. Yeah. But I won't lie to you, Jake. I mean, seriously, when, when the credits were going through, I was, I was processing. I was in the five stages of grief. Yeah. I was really – I mean, because you know, you know how much this, this whole super world MCU means to me. I've invested a lot of time, a lot of energy lot of- into it. And – and so when what happened happened at the end, I just didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah. I felt like I had gotten like a terrible call about my health or something like that. It was just really – it was really – it's stupid to say this for a movie, but it was really difficult for me. Yeah. It really was. I think that's one of the most fascinating things that I've been thinking about since we watched this. There were three really fa- – at least three really fascinating things that happened in this theater. So we're at a press screening. Right. That was, it was pretty full, but not – it didn't pack the theater out since right. it was a press-only screening. But at, when the credits rolled, everybody was shell-shocked. Yeah. Everybody just sat there thinking and, – and it was quiet. Yeah. There was – it was – and you could just hear – then you could start to hear little murmurs and whispers as people just didn't know what to do with themselves. My wife my, my wife turned to me as soon as the credits rolled and she said a word that I've never heard her say <laughs> in our entire 12 years together. And she said it twice because she was so stunned. And then as she's processing, she looks over and she whispers to me. She says, is Paul – is Paul stunned or is <laughs> yeah, he, is he upset? Like, anything. Yeah, Paul was visibly – she couldn't figure out if he was okay. <laughs> no, it was, it was really interesting. And, and 
when you talk about the the ending of the movie, I noticed that too. And I think that the only other two times that I've noticed that in a movie theater was when I saw Passion of the Christ yeah, and imagine. Schindler's List. Ooh. You know, those were movies that left people, Whoa. and this was, in a way, in its own superhero way, felt a lot like that. I was going to say, this doesn't have nearly the stakes <laughs> of right. a Passion no, of the Christ or not. Schindler's List, both historical retellings of crazy things where this is a completely fictional yeah. story. But the emotional weight that yeah. this pact was and still is to me surprising. It really it, – the movie – well, actually, let me ask you, Jake. Did you like the movie? I did like the movie. I liked mm-hmm. it a lot. I did. It, it was – and I actually said this to, to my, my cousin Kenny this morning. Uh, I was trying to, to – he was asking what I thought about the movie and I was trying to tell him without giving away any spoilers because he hasn't seen it yet. Uh, and I said it was everything – it was somehow everything I wanted Infinity War to be and still surprised me. Mm, interesting. So there were things in it that I hoped it would have right. that it did and still it found ways to surprise me in mm. the midst of that. I, To me, Infinity War feels like an excellent cherry on top of what they've done over the last 18 movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and sets it up for a bananas next phase. Right, right. Yeah, for for me, this was not a cherry on top. Now, I would totally agree with you. And just to to tell your wife, yes, I was processing hardcore (laughs) and I didn't want anybody to say anything quippy to me at all. So because I was emotionally invested, I just wanted to deal with my own thing, take a few deep breaths, and then figure out what I thought about it. And but then Jake's sitting over here, Paul, we got to do spoilers, Paul, we got to do spoilers. <laughs> Paul's like, I can't even with you right now. <laughs> just, just, just hold on, hold on, give me 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but it was sort of one of those things where um, I would agree with you. I thought the movie itself was excellent. Um, there were so many great moments within the movie. Um, I loved Captain America's arrival to to save Vision and Scarlet Witch. I loved Thor's entry into the battle. I thought that his axe was super cool. There were so many great moments in this movie. And as a friend of mine pointed out, another friend who who saw it, for a two-hour and 40-minute movie, the thing ticked along. It never felt long at all. Right. Um, but it was not a cherry on top for me. Like this was, this was a movie that I walked away from feeling dissatisfied. Okay. In in that, I wanted you know even even in the really some of the really hard movies that we've seen, sort of the middle movies that that get angsty and, and difficult. Uh, the Dark Knight. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. You know, Empire Strikes Back may be the clearest comparison to something like this. Those were great movies, but they had sort of this satisfying ending. With Infinity Wars, you feel like, in a sense, all was for naught. You know, it, it gave you that sense that you have these these spectacular things and these really funny moments, and you think about the whole universe and what it has led to up to this moment, 
and half of all the people who we have grown to love and care about literally turn into dust and blow away. <sighs> See, and and you know what? This is I know this is no surprise, and so I'm actually not surprised that you and I feel that split on yeah. how it ended. Yeah, because you tease me a lot, <laughs> especially back in our backlist <laughs> hall of shame about how I like. Yeah. That sort of thing in my movies, like the ones You're I picked grim. for you, like The Usual yeah. Suspects and like No Country for Old Men. And uh, what was the other one? I can't, I'm not remembering off the top of my head. Well, they're all the same. But <laughs> but I actually really appreciate when stories are able to leave us feeling unsettled. Yeah. And so the ability of Infinity War to leave the entire audience and myself included feeling as unsettled as we did. A very unusual step for a superhero movie, for sure. Hugely, because yeah. we go to superhero movies for this catharsis of everything works out in right. the end. And even if somebody dies, it's for this greater salvation right. for the world or for their friends or whatever it is. Right. Like in Logan. Right. Which we talked about last year. Where, we, and I loved Logan. Yeah, where he dies, but there's the kids are okay. There's a resolution. It's, a, it, it's, it's this – it's definitely a, a, a tragic ending in a way, but not really. I mean there's, there's this, these elements of redemption and, and you know that his life was well lived. And because of you have sort of that, that feeling of satisfaction um, at the end of Logan – it left that movie was far more satisfying in, in many respects than than Infinity Wars was for me because you just the movie takes away that satisfaction and it may even speak Jake and I know you're a huge superhero fan but it, it may speak to sort of the the fanboy and know it all in in our title right the, these this saga is something that I'm I was so invested in. The characters, I feel like I, I know the characters well enough that they become sort of a part of your life in, in a strange way. Yeah. And so to lose that, it, it does feel – and again, this, this is all hyperbole. This is yeah. We're talking about a fictional yeah, movie. Yeah, no, this is it, it, obviously it's it's in no way in comparable to what I'm about to compare it to. <laughs> but it's a little like it's a little like losing a friend or a family member. It, it it you feel that for me, I felt that sense of loss and I felt that yeah. sense of incompleteness. Yeah, in a sense. And and again, that's that's to the movie's credit. The fact right. that I was dissatisfied with the ending I think is exactly what the movie was intending to do exactly no that the, that to me is uh, just another reason why I think it's the cherry on top for what they've been building because they've done something so I mean so unusual and rare in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that even with movies that were maybe average or not great movies you know thinking back to thor the dark world and uh maybe iron man 2 and some of oh. these where we're like this, that's just not a great movie right they still managed to build this universe where we are so invested in these characters where to your point it's obviously hyperbole because these aren't real people right but as my wife and i are driving back we had about an hour and a half of a drive from the screening to home to talk about it and she said the exact same thing she said it they it's like my friends died these people i like and her favorite characters it was funny her favorite characters survived <laughs> on the way up to the movie and as the we people were talking who we about thought it, were going to die made survived. it survived yeah she she was like i 
on the way up to the movie, she said, I'm okay with anybody dying as long as they leave Cap and Iron Man alive. That was who she wanted. Yeah, Captain it, America and Iron Man, she wanted them to survive, but knew probably one or both were going to die. Right, right. And that was my feeling too. And that was a lot of people's feelings. We ran polls. I ran polls on Twitter, on Facebook, and Captain America and Iron Man were highly yeah. favored to be the ones who bite the dust. Yeah. And literally, they're two of the only ones who don't. Yeah. Yeah. And so there is, but there, the the triumph of this again hyperbole, but the triumph right. of this universe is how they've built us, in that they didn't even kill the main character, like the the ones that people really center on. Right. Your your four yeah. anchors, your yeah. Thor, the old your guard. Hulk, the old guard, Cap, and Iron Man. They leave them alive, right. and we're still all devastated. Right. By it, and to me, that is absolutely brilliant. And again, I know that speaks to my personality because I didn't like the movie The Departed. Right. But I love the ending because everybody dies. I haven't seen The Departed. Why are you telling me this? Oh, I thought you I thought you had seen this one. <laughs> I won't tell you how everybody dies. <laughs> Thanks so much. Spoilers, Paul. I Sorry, I warned show. I warned you there were gonna be spoilers I was gonna in watch this it podcast. Tonight. No. <laughs> I, I warned you. That, yeah, you wouldn't. You would hate that movie because of the way it ends. I'll so I'm. I'm doing you a service because <laughs> it's so. It's so dark. It's so dark. But, but I think so. Kind of getting into the personalities of why people like. So I. I getting into this idea <laughs> of why we either love or hate or dis, kind of disappointed with how right. it ended. I think for me, there's that that sense of. When I see the world, I struggle a lot with this feeling that no matter what I do, right. it there's going to be things I can't control that ruin me. And I struggle with that in my faith life, in my personal life, my professional life. Like That's sort of this deep fear that haunts me. At times, mm-hmm. and I, I try to <laughs> yeah. I try to overcome it, and you, you know, right, right, right. we all have our things that we wrestle with. So I think that's why that resonates with me because I think that I have that deep seated fear that that is acknowledging, and so it's almost confirming, even though it's something I fear, it's confirming that this is a real thing, and it's not just me. That's interesting. But I think the other thing, and the other reason, so the the positive spin on that is that I also believe because of my faith. That there is an ultimate redemption and that things are always darkest right. before the dawn. I mean the moment that stands out to me in the entire Lord of the Rings story. Right. And I know we've talked about that movie series and book series as a whole. But is the Battle of Helm's Deep. Right. When everything has gone to crap and it has been the worst night ever. The wall is breached. Yeah. The people are going to perish. Not just the soldiers. Right. The entire people of Rohan are going to perish. And at the break of dawn, here comes Gandalf over the hill Reborn, redemption, yeah, absolutely. Like Tolkien's ability to capture that, even in in the book, was incredible. Yeah, and so that is the positive spin on. Even though I know that there's this dark side of myself, there's this dark side in the spiritual realm, in the world that we live in. There's a sense that I I'm excited about how this movie ended so dark. Because I know right. that the the recompense for the evil is going to come, and yeah. it's going to be awesome, and we're going to love it. Yeah. 
Well, and that's and that's sort of my thought too. I mean, I, for me, the cherry on top is going to be the next movie <laughs> because, in in I totally agree with with everything, almost everything yeah. that you say. Um, because as I got my ten minutes of reflection, as I was sort of processing this, it made me think absolutely to your point, Jake. This <laughs> a crazy hyperbole, but. It was akin to what I would imagine um, followers of Christ thought on Saturday. Yeah. Between Good Friday, you know, you have this sense that, and we know that the that that Jesus's followers were crushed. They were despondent. They were despairing. Yeah. After Good Friday, even though, even though, just like we know in the Avengers, there's something else to come. Even though Christ had told them that this was going to happen. You have, and, and and that's the way I felt as I was watching this movie. You know that that whole sense that everything has crumbled, everything that you worked for has come to naught. That there, that even the greatest superheroes in the universe, they, these people who had saved the world and the cosmos, um, time and time and time again, through gut and power and creativity and all that sort of stuff none of it was enough to stop what happened here and so it seems yeah and and you just have that sense of when i walked out of the theater i had that sense of defeat and i think that that's in some ways it feels very very spiritual to me because that was that's that's the real beauty of the Easter story, right? You had this moment that seemed like an incredibly crushing defeat. You had the Son of God hanging dead on a cross. It seemed as though the devil had won. Yeah. And yet there was another chapter. There was another, <laughs> there was a sequel to come. And the sequel was going to be great. And so in, in a way... I don't like the uncertainty. I don't like that feeling of, of I don't like that in between time. Yeah. I like resolution. Yeah, you don't like Black Saturday. Exactly. I don't like Black Saturday. No, it's it's it is a very it's a dark time, yeah. and and it should be, you know. Um, and that's what I felt. And I, I think again, it's it's not a feeling that I like, but I think it's a tribute to the movie that it made me feel that way, yeah. and made me reflect on these odd things. You right. know, I think it's it was a really powerful movie in that respect. Yeah, and obviously they're not. From everything we know, nobody's talked about trying to make this in any way an allegory of a Christian no, no, spiritual journey. So, so we're reaching here. It's some universal themes about salvation and darkness and the battle no. versus good and evil. But to your point, there was even a, there was even a moment uh, as everything went to pot where, that echoes exa- exactly the the mirror image that you're talking about. Not mirror image. That's too strong of a word. Right. To the biblical story uh, of the gospel, but where Doctor Strange, who did something seemingly unthinkable in saving Tony Stark's life in exchange for the Time Stone, where it's just like, this is stupid. But as he disappears into dust, he says, I'm sorry, it was the only way. Yeah. And so, of course, foreshadowing, because we, we may have may remember or may have forgotten that just a few minutes earlier he had been 
you know, trying to vet all future potential outcomes, alternate future outcomes of the coming conflict. Right. And so he tells the guys, like, I looked at 14 or 15 million possible alternate futures, and they said, how many of, in how many of them do we win? And he says, one. And then other things happen, and he ultimately makes this decision that seems counterintuitive, that seems like a defeat. Right. To literally give the thing to the, this evil, all-powerful enemy that he needs to destroy half the universe. But he does so, and as he goes away, he says it was the only way. Mm. Giving this hint that there, it, this is the one – this had to be a part of the one reality where we ultimately win. Right. Which is very much that that kind of – counterpart that we can say allegorically even if it's not intended right mirrors the gospel story where jesus says this is gonna be awful you're gonna fall away from me because you're gonna be afraid of dying i'm literally going to die and it's gonna look terrible but take heart i've like we've already won right i've overcome right exactly exactly and 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 just to back up just to just to both Talk about your point. I mean, obviously, this is not a Christian movie, but I think that that when we as Christians go in, everybody who goes into movies brings the baggage that they have, their own stories into this story, and their own stories inform the stories that they watch. And I think that that because of that, I think it's completely fair to to draw you know some spiritual. Some spiritual messages from secular movies. I think that that it's it's a very natural part of what we do. Well, in the way we tell stories, we're searching right. for that. I mean, the people that make them, even if they're not trying to make a Christian or religious movie to any other faith, that we're all searching for meaning in stories. Right. And so, even if we're trying to find meaning agnostically or atheistically or wherever right. we're at, we are still trying to find meaning in our own universe and context. And of course, we know that everything echoes. As Christians, right. we know everything echoes the greatest salvation story, and that's why we find these in the stories. No, absolutely. because people are searching for it. Absolutely, and I, I think that that takes us back to exactly what you were talking about in terms of the only way. This moment where Doctor Strange hands over the Time Stone to Thanos, which seems to be this unthinkable thing to save Tony Stark's life. Yeah, Tony didn't even want that to happen. Tony didn't even want it to happen. After the movie, you noticed that I tweeted out a rather obscure, well, not an obscure verse, but a strange verse to tweet out at the time. I tweeted out, what, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 I said. Yeah. yeah, and essentially that is that is Paul's famous love verse. You know, and it talks Appropriate, about it. since you're also named Paul. <laughs> exactly. It really confused me in church when I was four or five. <laughs> People kept talking about Paul, but that's another story. But they were saying really good things about Paul? Yeah, well, I was thinking, how wise am I to say all these <laughs> things that I don't even remember saying? Yeah. I am so brilliant, and everybody in this church loves me. <laughs> I, I was always surprised that no one just turned around and looked at me and smiled, but they never did. They never so. did. Weird. No, it, it, it goes, and so I'll just read the passage that I was thinking of. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or, gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and give over all my body to hardship, then I might boast. But I, if I do not have love, I gain nothing." And to me, again, and I think this is where the movie is going to go, um, you have 
this sense we see in this this terrible moment where Thanos sacrifices the only thing that he loves in the universe to get this power time and time again when we see him claim these these infinity stones it is through an act of love and through an act of sacrifice that he gets those stones every single time I think um, he, you mean not necessarily by him not by him by other people yeah. people give up these stones willingly to him um, because they want to save someone or something that they love yeah. and I think that, that that in the end is really going to be as Dr. Strange says the end game Right. I think Here's my theory, my working theory. We'll see if this pans out. I think that the Soul Stone was not looking... Uh, I think the Soul Stone will have a big impact on what happens in the future. Right. Because I think that, cosmically speaking, I think that the idea of sacrificing what you love for power will not be powerful enough to overcome the sacrificial love that we see over and over and over again in Infinity War. Right. Yeah, well, and they foreshadowed that multiple times when we see uh, Red Skull. Mm-hmm. Great great little cameo from for Hugo Weaving. Yeah, it was great. I was very surprised to see him there. You know, he foreshadowed it by saying that the Soul Stone exacts a price. Everybody, Everybody who comes thinks they're ready to pay it. But they never yeah. can fathom truly how yeah. hard a price that really is. Yeah. And so Thanos is like, well, no, I got this. I can. He kills his own daughter just with a tear or two. Yeah. <laughs> He's obviously yeah. wrecked by it, but he murders her and he goes on with his life. Right. But then, again, they come back to that loss that he – again, to your point where he – rejects love so he can get everything else. He can have all these gifts of power. Yeah. And then once he accomplishes his he's got everything. He's got his power. He's got and he's but he he goes to this space and he sees a young Gamora, right? And she says, Did Was it worth it? Was it did you get everything? Did you do it? Yeah. You know, did you accomplish it? And he said, Yes. And she says, And what what did it cost you? And he says, Everything. And so I think you're right. I think there is going to be more of a reckoning for that than he realized. Yeah, yeah. I think he thought he knew the price and it was one life for a stone. But I think it's going to be more than that. I think there is, that is going to come back into play yeah. here because how can it not? How can it not? I how an, can it not? I had we've another, got a whole other movie We've got to plenty go of through. other movies to go. It was to to another cousin of mine. I already mentioned Kenny, but this is a shout-out. <laughs> you have like 1,700 cousins. To Daniel, um, who on a poll when I was trying to figure out who people thought were going to die, he said, I think the question is who is going to stay dead. And, of course, we know that about comics in general. Right. People die all the time. How many times did Loki die before <laughs> this movie? That was one of my favorite lines <laughs> when Thor said, oh, he's died before. Yeah, he's died. 
time before. This time, it may take. But <laughs> we'll see. Like He's still not convinced. He saw Loki <laughs> choked out by Thanos. Oh, like, that was a brutal scene, was, too. The emotional toll of the violence in this movie was surprising for a Marvel movie. It was harsh. To see these people. And well, to see Peter Parker clinging oh, to Tony Stark. That was killer. Oh, my heart. Yeah. no, That it was, was awful. It, there were some really in, – and in some ways it felt jarring because there were some really funny moments in there. But there – it was – I thought the opening scene was particularly jarring because um, it opens essentially on, on the Thor Ragnarok Right, shortly ship, right? after Ragnarok ends. Ragnarok was this fun, light – obviously a whole world was destroyed during it. But, but you had that element of hope. The people are safe. The people are safe. And then you have oh, – They're, they're slaughtered. There's, there's so many dead bodies and it feels like it was almost – a complete uh, sublimation of what we saw in yeah. Ragnarok. It almost eliminated the, the validity of that right. movie. That didn't matter. Yeah, and, and so it, it, that was just some of these moments were super hard to watch. And I, I think that what that moment with Peter Parker and Tony Stark, that was maybe the most powerful moment in the film for me. It might have. Honestly, it was... It was upsetting. Because you see this, you see this father-son relationship developing, right? And you have this because he had talked about how he wanted to be a dad. Keep going, yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was, it was a difficult, and it was the only, actually, the only moment in the whole ending where everybody's sort of being blown away into smoke, where you got the sense, um, you felt really the personal toll. You saw these characters that you loved vanish, but they vanished very quietly for the most part. Peter Parker was allowed to express his desire to stay. Yeah. And that was hard to deal with because right. you think that there's something unfair about that, you know? Yeah, he's he's just a kid and he's he just wants to help and you know, he wants to connect with people and and somehow have this meaning in his life and right. and then to to be like, no, no, no. I don't I don't want to go. I'm not ready to go. Yeah. And, oh, man. Oh. That was that was yeah. hard. No, it, it really was. And I think that, that it was an important scene because I think it it got to the crux of the loss that yeah. we see. And, and so often I think that, that superhero movies, and I think fairly, are critiqued on, on sometimes their cavalier um, loss of life. You yeah. see so much destruction. You see so much mayhem. And even in this movie, it was the, the death toll we saw was incredibly high. Technically, half of the known universe. So to to have and that <laughs> so to have that moment where you get to see someone feeling themselves slip away. That was a that was a very powerful and very important moment in the yeah. movie. I had to ask now that we're we're talking about that loss of life. Whose whose death was most surprising to you in in this film? Um, you know. Logistically, it, this is a really complicated thing. I was, I was perpetually surprised when I saw people who were quote unquote paired together yeah. vanish. You know, I was really surprised to see Vision and Scarlet Witch both vanish. You know, into dust. Well, Vision just died. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he just had his brain ripped out. <laughs> he wasn't a person, so he couldn't vanish. But you're right to see he was killed effectively, yeah, and, and Wanda disappears. Yeah, and and I think that that scene, um, Drax and Peter Quill was surprising. I was Star really Lord, surprised. Yeah. I was surprised to see um, they killed almost all the Guardians in this movie. They did. Groot 
yeah. Drax, Gamora, yeah, uh, and Quill, yeah, and, and uh, Mantis, yeah, and Nick Fury, who you thought no nothing could ever kill. You yeah. know, he just seems like I mean, he's been a fixture for what sixteen of the eighteen movies or something. He's like been that. he's made some sort of appearance in almost all of them. Yeah, he, so so to see him go away was difficult. But probably the the most surprising one for me, just to go on and on and on about yeah. this, was Black Panther. Yep. No, that was it for me too. I as we talked about all the different people that died, so many of them surprised me. So it is tough to say which one was most surprising. And but Black Panther was the most surprising to me. I was like they just we 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 just had his, his movie. movie just we, made seven hundred million dollars. We just what about, what about Black Panther two? <laughs> yeah. Well, and see, that's one of the things. That's one of the interesting things that they did is is that most of the characters that we figured were going to fade out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in part because some of them have told us they're going to. <laughs> Those um, sneaky, they, sneaky jerks. They stayed, and the people who we assumed would be getting movie after movie after movie, they left. Yeah, and so that that brings. A sense of, I mean, in some ways, it would have been an even braver choice had they had they had Captain America, Iron Man, those people vanished, those people, because we already understood that um, they might not be back. In the real world, we understood that right. those, those their days were sort of numbered. Um, actually, other people we were sort of expecting to see for years to come. Right. No, actually, I think that's. I think I think that makes what they did the braver choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not I don't Although, think I don't think the braver choice I think the braver choice is to kill potential cash cows because we want Yeah. I mean ultimately we know they can bring them back, they can make more movies if they want, but to I think that was part of what was so shocking and satisfying to me is yeah. they killed the people that could make them more money in the future, whereas the heroes that had had these arcs, yeah. you know, we had a good arc with Cap, we had a good arc with Thor, we had a good arc right. their with Their stories Iron felt Man. complete. Their stories felt complete. That was why you thought Cap had to die in this one. Right, right. Uh, you had written about that, that Captain America needs to die in this movie. It's a great for article, his, by the way. Just for his arc. Yeah, go check, check out Paul's writing up, write up on that. And it still Even though he's true. totally wrong. <laughs> Uh, but it may still come true. So, but to kill those that you haven't yet mined, right. while you know you have these that you've mined for a bunch of movies, five, six, seven movies for some of these guys, to kill those and to leave your potential yeah. revenue on the table was how they were able to be like surprise us, right? And I think make this bold choice of. We could. This could. This is. This is kind of hamstringing us in some ways. See, and I think that this. So is, they can bring them back to life. Well, whatever. you know. Well, and see, here's the thing. I think that that because I'm so into the movie industry, you know, I I, I know or think that I know that some of these characters have movies already in the hopper. They're right. already in the line, and so because because maybe I'm a little more. Um, into sort of that world than than some fans would be, it made it almost made it feel a little cheating. You know, after after sure. my emotional drain had <laughs> sort of has sort of cleansed itself, I I thought to myself, well, you know, there's going to be another Spider-Man movie. You yeah. know that there's going to be another Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and so you think these people, it loses. For me, in some ways, it loses a little bit of oomph. You know, I, I totally get what you're yeah. saying, but because because I wasn't able to separate 
because none of us are really able to separate the the fictional world from the movie world, and we know certain things that may develop in the movie world in our in our real world. Um, it loses a little bit of the surprise and it loses a little bit of the power, I think. Maybe, but I get. I, I would say at the same time, we know that even if we didn't know about all the other movies that are in the pipeline to be made, sure, we know based on the comic book universe that is well established over the last six or seven decades that they're going to bring – maybe we don't know who all they're going to bring up. So maybe or that, how. Or how. Yeah. But we know that people are going to come back somehow because they – they very rarely has a superhero ever been killed off entirely. They either some find you know Deus Ex Machina and they resurrect them there, or they come up with an alternate universe and they just continue the story yeah. there. They always find ways to to bring these characters yeah. back to life, and so uh, I I mean I I do hear what you're saying. It, it gives us at least. I guess to your point, it, get, it allows us to know – well, we know a few of them which for sure they're going to bring back because there's movies coming. But to me at the same time, I know – I already knew they were all coming back or maybe not all but a lot of them are going right. to come back because right. that's just the nature of comic book movies and superhero stories yeah. in general. Yeah. A, a friend of mine said something really interesting about this movie. You, you talk about the, the really gutsy choice and, and it absolutely was a gutsy choice to do what they did in this. Um, my friend, who is more invested in the original, you know, source material than yeah. I am, was saying, you know, this is the sort of stuff that comic books have been doing for decades. Yeah. You know, where they drop this bomb and they wait for another, you know, <laughs> they wait for, they wait for a, a, a story years. arc or another issue or something to to resolve this huge cataclysmic thing that happens. And I think that that that's one of the beauties I think of of. Marvel's universe is that they really have a great deal of respect for what came before. And this entire um, MCU, which I think, frankly, is one of the most uh, amazing achievements in in the history of moviedom, just in terms of of its scope and its breadth, um, it does feel very comic book-y. They stayed true to the spirit of the comic books and yet brought in a whole bunch of new people. On that note, yeah, all the comic book nerds are like noobs. Yeah, we all, we all know this happens all the time. Right, exactly. But on that note, because of because of how this movie ends, do you think that that will affect how casual fans absorb this movie? Sure. Do you think that it will hurt in some ways, even hurt the box office? So once word of of what happens starts to leak through, yeah. What will be the impact? And will they will they even want to go? Will they be so scarred by the events of this movie that they won't want to see the next one? Yeah. Subjectively, I want to say no. I want to say that that one of the accomplishments that they've had, they've one of the accomplishments of this whole series is how they've been able to turn the average noob, newcoming fans into sort of like unofficial comic geeks because of how accessible they've made right. these stories in movie format that uh, I've but, read two Marvel comics in my life yeah. and and I am fully invested and in you're, this world. you're bought in so yeah. I want to say that no I think the audience is invested enough in this universe that they want to see how this plays out and they they don't want to be left with this bad taste in their mouth they want to have that redemption, and so I think they've got to stick around to see how that plays out. 
Objectively, I understand. There's actually a ton of different personalities in the world. I know there's a lot of people that don't like endings that are that dark and that might hear about that and be like, you know what? Like if they have it spoiled before they go see it, that might just say, you know what? I'm not going to bother. I know half of them die anyways. I don't like that. So I'm not going to subject myself to that. So it's it's certainly possible that people are going to to be turned off to it. But my sense is that a majority of people are invested enough that they want to see the emotional payoff that comes after this and and or and or that they are curious as to okay how are you going to fix this without there's it's almost like with lost as you watch the first five seasons of lost you're like this is crazy they're doing some insane stuff i have no idea how they're going to wrap this up and then you get into season six and you have those two sorts of people one me who does who hated the way lost ended starting to realize there's no way they're going to be able to wrap this up it's too crazy right and that was a disappointment i think we're all we're almost there I think what's going to be interesting over the next phase is if we get this sense of, oh, they went too cr- – like maybe right. that was too bold of a choice. Maybe Jake was wrong. Maybe that wasn't the cherry on top. Maybe they went too crazy and they're going to have to do something ridiculous to fix it or yeah. maybe to people like Paul who love Lost and the way they wrapped it up, maybe I they're going to – Lost was brilliant. Howie. Maybe they're going to pull it off. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I – I think it's going to be interesting. You know, the the Marvel Universe is so lucrative and has been so successful. You know they're not going to cut it off. But in a lot of ways, my desire for a clean, satisfying, emotional ending, I almost wish that they would would stop with the next Avengers movie. You know, that's it. That's it. And then they can reboot and do whatever. But it feels like... This has been such a remarkable journey in so many different respects um, that it feels like it would be really fitting for it just to just to shut down right. with the final one. Right. I, I find myself feeling like that's a natural end point. Yeah. No, I agree with you on that. Like that that dark side of me that I mentioned before wants this one to be the last one. <laughs> But I know there's a lot of people like Paul and my wife that would hate that. That would be terrible. That would totally ruin the entire MCU. For me, it would make the entire MCU. You wanted Lord of the Rings. You wanted the movie to end with Gollum biting the finger and just running off. And running off and Sauron becomes the ultimate overlord. Oh, my goodness. What is wrong with you, Jake? I I would like like that just because of the true boldness of it. (laughs) If... If you know, because at the end of this, where it says Thanos will return, yeah, and at the end where there's the credit, you know, where Nick Fury, as he dies, is able to hit send on a message to Captain dun, Marvel. Dun, 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 Captain Marvel, Brie Larson is going to totally rock it. She's awesome. Um, but there was there was a part of me that before those two things I saw, I actually in the theater turned to Suzanne and said, I think. It should end here. <laughs> that dark side of me. I said, I hope that the Ant-Man and the Wasp trailer was just a trailer. <laughs> I hope it's not real. I hope everything else is all rumors that they've been planting to totally play us and that this is it. Just, beca- just because that would be so bold and I love how that would mess with people. Jake, you need <laughs> – you really need some professional help. But I- – <laughs> <laughs> All that said, no <laughs> – 
I like the nihilistic ending. <laughs> but all that said, no, I think you're right. I think they do a couple more in the next next Avengers movie is where they wrap it. Yeah. Unless they want to do like a scouring of the Shire after that. Oh, which was – Which yeah, would be yeah. kind of cool. No. At, no. Yeah. No. The, that scouring, was awesome. Scouring the Shire was the worst part of that book. Why? Are you kidding me? It was me? a third of the book. It was amazing. It was I, when I read When I read Lord of the Rings as a kid and, and everything wrapped up and it was I, – I was kind of hitting that point as things are wrapping up in Gondor after – you know the ring's been destroyed and people are healing. It's like, oh, okay, like I don't want this to be done. And then they they're going home. Like, okay, they're gonna go get married and have kids. And holy crap! Yeah, no. the Shire has gone to crap. We now get to use all of our skills to save our friends and family. I love that. That blew my mind as a no. kid. That was amazing. Again. Tolkien is a genius. Again, it shows how strange and they win though. Well, they do win, but essentially, the scouring of the Shire. It'd be like the equivalent if, if in Raiders of the Lost Ark, if instead of ending where it did with the face melting and the whole coda thing, where it's nice and they they actually did like fifteen minutes where they showed how the Ark was being processed. You know, into this into this vault where you'd watch the people fill out the paperwork. No, it's not. It's totally it like that. Not. No, it totally is. That is garbage. You were wrong. You're an English major. <laughs> Where's your degree? I'm going to burn it. <laughs> you know, it's from a college you went to. I'll yeah, but I didn't know. get my degree from that college, <laughs> so I have no qualms burning your degree. Oh, because I got my degree from apparently a much better university. Because that is a garbage take on the scouring of the shire. Oh, that the scouring was of the shire! Absolutely no, brilliant. I totally, you are totally wrong. Scouring uh, of the shire is. I don't know how we got onto scouring of the shire, but it because, was really terrible. Because I could, I could see if they don't wrap it at the next Avengers, which I'd be totally fine with. I'm not, I'm not upset with that. But if they wanted, if they had to do some mop up work around the galaxy, that could be fun. That was actually. Have you finished Legend of Zelda with your son yet? Maybe it's a TV show of the for Wild. Netflix. There you go. Yeah, Netflix no. does great Marvel work. Yeah, they do do great well, Marvel work. Except with Iron Fist. But it's a small story. I don't want to, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's perfect for that. Story. It's perfect for that. They got to do you that. Can't you're have, right. No, no, you you're right. This... It's got to be a Netflix series. All right. all right. All right. We can agree on that, right? Wow, that's crazy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. What did you guys think? Like, oh my goodness, who whose death surprised you the most? What did you think of the ending? Did it leave you dissatisfied and a little bit? Uh, disillusioned like Paul? Did it leave you energized like me? <laughs> Talk to us. We need to, we need more processing. We, we there's do. not enough time to no, process. No, it's, it's, it really is one of these movies where I think that this is a movie that people want to talk about because there's a lot going on. So yeah. talk to us about it. We'd love to hear what you have to say. We want to keep it going. Yeah. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson on I'm Twitter. I'm at AC Paul. And we have a Facebook group called pop culture with fan people and know-it-alls oh and by the way just to just to throw out a completely self-serving pitch feel free to go to to my patio site watching god where i've written a ton of spiritually related gunk on all of these yeah paul and his family watched all the mcu movies in the last couple of months Yeah. yeah in order in a row over the last four months so so have a bunch of stories just talking a little bit about some of the spiritual underpinnings that i saw in some of these characters if you're into that sort of stuff feel free to look and then tell me what an idiot i am and now it's time for the most least important thing
Welcome inside the most least important thing, the way we love to wrap up every little show of ours. No matter how we've fought, no matter how we've <laughs> scratched and bitten and clawed at each other over opinions about J.R. Tolkien's genius with endings of books, this is where we come and we bring to you the trivial or the incredibly important things from pop culture and tell you why maybe they're not so important or maybe they are actually really important. It's the most least important thing. Yeah. You know, sometime, just before I get into my least most important thing, <laughs> I think we need to do like a – we used to do a top five rank geeks. Yeah. I'm going to do a top five list of the biggest errors that you have said during this, this podcast. <laughs> Jake's biggest two thousand one idiocy. <laughs> Scouring of the Shire. Brad Pitt being better than <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis. All these I just don't understand. The, you're going you're to you're gonna have a hard time picking a top five. I really will. <laughs> All right, but let me go on to my least most important thing. Um, after being wiped out by Infinity War, I really needed to have a light diversion. <laughs> and my son introduced me to a light diversion that I'll just mention here. Um, we flipped on Netflix, uh-huh. and we watched this show called Chef and My Fridge. Chef and My Fridge. It is a South Korean game show okay <laughs> reality show talk show essentially what happens is you have all these people sitting around a table and they talk for a little while and then they wheel in a couple of people's fridges they wheel in this fridge it's and then they open the the fridge and they make fun of everything inside it and then these celebrity korean chefs have to cook a dish from what's ever in the fridge <laughs> They have a competition. It's sort of like this weird Iron Man competition with leftovers. Okay. It's a very strange show. And subtitles? And and it has subtitles. It goes so fast, though. I mean... Yeah, they like to keep their kind of game shows hopping. Yeah, no, they really do. It is so high energy. I could last there for 30 seconds. I could yeah. not sustain <laughs> that level of energy that you really need for that show. But it was really, it was kind of fun in a very surreal way. It was it was kind of a blast. And so if you're looking for something completely out of left field to watch, Chef in my fridge, or Chef in my fridge, might be it. Yeah, this is interesting. If if my thing is these oddly nihilist, it was my odd affection for nihilistic <laughs> movies and endings. Paul's weird thing is he likes really out there South Korean, yeah, you know, films and television. No, it's it's really crazy. You, you I, brought up South Korean weird South Korean stuff. I before. have, or I say it's weird culturally. I know to them, to South Koreans and their culture, it's pretty p- much par for the course, and we're weird. So I, I don't mean that derogatorily. Yeah. But for Paul, being a white bread, <laughs> middle America <laughs> wasp. <laughs> That's exactly right. To sit down and watch this. It, it was really, it was fun. And it, and it does sort of give a look into a different culture in a way, you know, yeah. because because you can see how um, it's, it, it's really delightful. And even when you look at the contents of the fridge, I mean, they were cooking squid and tofu. Yeah. I mean, one dish was squid. Two things you will never other, find in my fridge. Never, ever in mine either. That is <laughs> one thing, maybe the only thing we agree on. Yeah. Uh, no, that does sound interesting. I might have to add that to the queue. Yeah. All right. For me, uh, it's it's actually a huge thing that I think is just 
funny and also what in the world. And that is, you know, we know and love Twitter. We talk about talking to us on the Twitter all the time. Paul and I, that's where we like to talk yeah. to people and sometimes to each other and smack talk even when we're just, you know, when we could literally walk over to each other's cubes yeah. and talk to each other, we'll talk smack on the Twitter yeah. as well because we enjoy it. Exactly. Uh, and it and it's a great place to connect with people and to build these digital connections uh, and supplement real life. As long as it's not your full time connection, that's a great thing, right? That's why Twitter's awesome. You get that one to one connection with exactly. most people. Exactly. Like when you talk to Chris Pratt, or maybe when he just quote tweets you. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> however, you want to slice it. You haven't it. mentioned Chris Pratt for a while. So that that was me and Chris Pratt. <laughs> Yeah. Having an interaction that yeah. we would never have otherwise. Pretty cool. Well, blowing up in the last week, you probably heard about the fact that there is now an unusual set of new BFFs because of Twitter. And that is President Donald Trump and hip-hop artist Kanye West. Have you followed this at all, Paul? No, I haven't. you got to go see it. It <laughs> no. is so surreal. Who is Kanye West's favorite president in the last 10 years? Not Barack Obama, Donald Trump apparently. And they're they're and he got blasted. Kanye got blasted for saying something positive about President Trump and he doubled down. He didn't backpedal. He's like, "Look, I'm not saying I agree with everything he does, but me and him have the dragon energy." Whatever that is, <laughs> Kanye. And then Trump comes back. He's like, "Very cool, Kanye." He's like, "He's like, thanks for that. Very cool, Kanye." You know, it's and it's like all of a sudden, of all the animosity we've seen on Twitter, of all the friendships that have blossomed on tr- Twitter, I never saw them converging this way. And that Kanye West and former star of The Apprentice, Donald Trump, yeah, no, you, are now Twitter BFFs. And actually, in some ways, it doesn't surprise me as much as it does you because they have a lot of similarities. I mean, they really do. Sure, outsized personalities. Yeah, exactly. Bravado. A, a lot nicely of put. self-confidence. <laughs> a lot of, you know, not necessarily saying the smartest things in public. Possibly. But, but they are both pretty compelling individuals. I mean, when they say something, we're, we all listen. We're paying and so attention. When and they, that's... And that's for me. I think it ought to be really a least important thing because at the end of the day, it, it means really nothing. means nothing right, or right. at least at the generously very little uh, about policy or how Kanye's next album is going to be. <laughs> but it's, it's fascinating that it turned into such a big thing. It well, turned into a huge thing when it's it was literally just – a, a rapper with a little political opinion and a president saying thank you. <laughs> no, it's 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 interesting. It, it's, if this was a more political podcast and if I felt comfortable talking about politics, yeah. I mean, you know, on the air, it, we could go a lot of different directions on this. But it is interesting. We'll leave we'll leave the politics to Christian Toto. Shout out to <laughs> Hollywood in Toto. Who, he likes he likes all that stuff. Um, for us, we'll just stick with the dragon energy. Exactly. I, for one, can say I do not have a dragon energy. Yeah, I have Kanye. sort of. I have sort of iguana energy. I think. I like to think of mine as more of a. Um, I don't gecko? know. Gecko. Gecko. Nah, not gecko. I, I like to think more of mine as like a tiger energy. I love tigers, but but not like a Bengal tiger in the wild. More like Hobbs tiger from Calvin and Hobbs. Got it. That's my energy. A little antagonistic, you know, but still still intelligent enough to carry a conversation and to set Paul 
right when he yeah. says things like Daniel Day Lewis is the greatest actor to ever have oh my the goodness. face of the planet. No, you know what? You I like. Are, you I set you right. You I are Calvin right. in this situation. <laughs> no, because I'm Hobbs. Calvin doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Hobbes is always a very intelligent person, so I would of course be Hobbes. Yeah. In this scenario, yeah, we'll we'll see about that. We'll see about that. We'll let we'll let the fates decide. <laughs> Nihilism, what up, yo? <laughs> and with that, half of this half of this podcast will die. What? <laughs> what was that? Just to, to keep with the nihilistic ending oh, of yeah, yeah, Avengers yeah. Oh, Infinity it, War, one it. of us is going to disappear. I was still thinking about the Calvin and Hobbes <laughs> thing because we could do a whole podcast we on really that. Could. We ought to. We yeah. ought to. But that's it for now. We appreciate you guys climbing into this conversation with us with our crazy brains bouncing around, Oof. taking the collateral damage. Oh, my goodness. We love doing this with you. Shrapnel. But for now, I'm Jake. I'm Paul. We'll catch you guys on the flip side. Bye. Bye.